Hey everybody, you are listening to Grace Bond Ministries. Grace Bond Ministries is about sharing the Word of God, having conversations about difficult topics, talking about apologetics, coming together, tackling issues, answering questions, studying the scripture, uh, doing devotionals. Listen, Grace Bond Ministries has so many different things that we're going to talk about, that we have talked about, we're going to continue talking about. Uh, and this podcast is made for someone who wants to know more about the Christian faith or wants answers to their questions or just wants to ask questions or just wants a safe place to talk about things, even things like politics, you know, abortion, uh, homosexuality, hell, you know, or just how do I have strong faith? That's what you're going to get when you listen to Grace Bond Ministries. So thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you are blessed and encouraged by what we do here. So what is your definition of discipleship? Yeah, I love that dictionary definition, uh, <laughs> the last part of it, especially a follower of Christ. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing is that that is a great question, and that's that's where the question needs to begin. I mean, I think that's the discussion that needs to take place in our churches because, you know, what I, one of the things I've learned, if I walk into a church and I just ask the question, you know, what is the disciple? The pastor may give me one definition, um, and as we go around the church, you may get a ton of different <clears throat> definitions, you know. Uh, some yeah. people may say a disciple is just a believer. You know, once I become a Christian, once I'm converted, I'm I'm a disciple of Jesus now. Others may say that definition, they're a follower um, of Christ, uh, somebody that that believes in his teachings, or I'm a Christian, so I'm a disciple. So um, I think it's a great question. Um, I think before you can define discipleship, you got to define disciple, right? And so the definition that that I love that that I use is a disciple is a committed, passionate follower of Jesus Christ. So, you know, you see in that that definition in the dictionary, follower of Christ, um, but I think yeah. those first two adjectives there are so important. A committed, passionate follower of Jesus Christ. This is somebody that's committed to his person, committed to his teaching, committed to his ministry, committed to his plan, and is willing to follow um, that teaching and follow that that priority in their own life. So if that's what a disciple is, a committed, passionate follower of Jesus Christ, then that doesn't happen at conversion. That doesn't happen after one class. Um, that's not just a matter of information. Um, you know, so. For it is by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God. Ephesians 2.8. Welcome to Grace Bond Ministries. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to Grace Bond Ministries. Um, one of your co-hosts, Christian Walton, along with Jonathan Jenkins, and we're back for another podcast this week, and we're going over the topic of discipleship. This is one of those buzzwords that we're hearing a lot within the church today. So we're going to discuss what is discipleship, what's the difference between discipleship and evangelism, and how we can implement implement that into your, your church and so we have with us today ray sullivan and he's the catalyst for our discipleship in the georgia baptist convention in the south so southeast southwest he covers it all and we're excited to have him with us today and so jonathan you want to introduce yourself 
Yeah, so if, is this your first time watching them, Jonathan? Uh, been doing this podcast, uh, we're just talking about it, I think, for uh, almost three years. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, still going strong, still uh, still growing, still just just uh, just learning. Uh, as we talk to people, as we as we study, as we share things. Uh, so, and listen, we're always open to having people on. One of the things I'm um, real passionate about that uh, we haven't done in a while is to share testimony. So if you've got a testimony you want to share, uh, reach out to us and let's, uh, let's get your testimony on here. And uh, you never know who it could reach. So, uh, but yeah, we're excited about this podcast and uh, we're excited to have uh, Mr. Ray with us and, uh, <clears throat> or Master Ray. <laughs> there we go. And we're just bachelors, but um <laughs> but yeah we're super excited about this podcast been playing it for a while and uh, uh i think i think i think every christian and uh pastor will be uh be edified by this and this topic we're uh, we're going to discuss yeah so he's been with his wife for 30 years they have two sons and two daughter-in-laws and he's got a degree from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and we actually met him during our time at Bruton Parker. He was pastoring at Reedsville Baptist, and he actually helped increase our library of resources as he was going to be the catalyst right in 2020. And so before we dive in, can you tell us your experience these past couple of years as being the catalyst? Yeah, guys, man, it's great to be with you. And um uh, let me just say before we jump in, proud of you guys. Uh, it's neat to to come back and see what God has been doing in your life. Uh, got to teach one class uh, uh, with y'all and on pastoral ministry and uh, got to know you a little bit and spend some time and uh, just proud of you. And thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for um, taking the what you're learning and as you're in this learning process and, and sharing that with others. And I appreciate the podcast. I've started listening to some of the uh, the back podcast and uh, appreciate what you guys are doing. Um, I have been a pastor over 30 years. That's, that's what I felt I was called to do. Um, I went to seminary to, to be a pastor. I uh, thought that was what I was going to do my entire life. Um, in 2016, I had an opportunity to go to Bruton Parker college as executive vice president. Uh, after serving uh, first Baptist church in Cordell, I was there for about 13 years and um, had an opportunity to go to Bruton Parker college and, um, just enjoyed the time there. I knew God was kind of creating a new season in my life and trying to figure out what that would look like. Um, I didn't know if that would be college ministry, uh, full time, um, uh, or, um, something else, but God opened a door while I was there to, uh, to join the discipleship team at the Georgia Baptist mission board, um, which was a, um, an interesting opportunity. Everybody on our team came out of second chair positions. They've all been, um, discipleship pastors or ministers of education or, or such. And, and I was the only one that kind of came out of the pastorate. And I remember asking, uh, Scott, when he hired me, you know, why, why me? I mean, I'm not, I don't have all of this education stuff. That's not my background. And he said, man, uh, most of our churches in South Georgia are single staff, um, churches. Uh, they don't have second chair guys. And I need a guy that can just relate to pastors and, and help pastors with, uh, with disciple making. And so, man, it was right up my alley at 30 years of ministry. I know that um, it was several years into ministry over half of that time before I really began to think about the importance of discipleship. I mean, I knew the Great Commission, but what does discipleship have to do with that? And so God began to do some things in my life. And so now I have an opportunity just to 
uh, to share that, to, to be a part of, of other churches and uh, to help guys through the process. Yeah. So glad to have you and to, for you to be able to discuss this with us. So looking at what is discipleship, the dictionary definition is not too much helpful, but it says the condition or situation of being a disciple, a follower, or a student of some philosophy, especially a follower of Christ. And so the last couple of years, and this seems to be something that changes, I think the more you study, the more you look into the topic of discipleship. What is your definition of discipleship? Yeah, I love that dictionary definition, uh, <laughs> the last part of it, especially a follower of Christ. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, the interesting thing is that that is a great question. And that's that's where the question needs to begin. I mean, I think that's the discussion that needs to take place in our churches because you know what I one of the things I've learned if I walk into a church and I just ask the question, you know, what is a disciple? The pastor may give me one definition. Um, and as we go around the church, you may get a ton of different definitions. <clears throat> you know, uh, some yeah. people may say a disciple is just a believer. You know, once I become a Christian, once I'm converted, I'm I'm a disciple of Jesus now. Others may say that definition, they're a follower um, of Christ, uh, somebody that that believes in his teachings, or I'm a Christian, so I'm a disciple. So um, I think it's a great question. Um, I think before you can define discipleship, you got to define disciple, right? And so the definition that that I love that that I use is a disciple is a committed, passionate follower of Jesus Christ. So, you know, you see in that that definition in the dictionary, follower of Christ. Um, but I think yeah. those first two adjectives there are so important. A committed, passionate follower of Jesus Christ. This is somebody that's committed to his person, committed to his teaching, committed to his ministry, committed to his plan, and is willing to follow um, that teaching and follow that that priority in their own life. So if that's what a disciple is, a committed, passionate follower of Jesus Christ, then that doesn't happen at conversion. That doesn't happen after one class. Um, that's not just a matter of information. Um, you know, so discipleship then um, is important because discipleship then becomes not something we do on Sunday night at five o'clock, like we did when I grew up, you know, you had discipleship training, right? So discipleship training was a one hour at five o'clock on Sunday night. We're going to teach specific things. And uh, now we are training disciples. Well, discipleship then is if a disciple is a committed, passionate follower, then discipleship is a lifelong process, right? That's kind of that process of sanctification. It doesn't happen at conversion. We're, we're justified by faith. We're saved by what Jesus did on the cross. We're we're sanctified through the Spirit, but there's this process, this lifelong process where a disciple grows towards Christ-likeness, right? So the conduct and the character of Christ. So that that's what, that's what we want to see. Now, what's been left out of the process of discipleship that I think is, is biblical, what's been left out in our churches is that last part of that definition. So a disciple, discipleship is the lifelong process by which a disciple of Jesus grows towards Christ's likeness. And then the last part reproduces the process, right? So somebody said yeah. it this way, you're really not a disciple of Jesus until you made a disciple, mm -hmm. right? 
So discipleship is not just learning more about Jesus. Discipleship is doing what Jesus did and reproducing that process. So I'm not really a disciple until I've discipled somebody else, right? So yeah. the, the question then comes in here, and I'll pitch this kind of back to you guys, you know, the, the question then comes, well, then what is the goal of discipleship, right? How do I know when somebody is a disciple? And I think the problem there is that for so long in our churches, we we have made discipleship kind of subjective. Well, you really can't tell. I mean, how do, how do I know somebody is a disciple? Well, I, I guess they joined the church, or I guess they're a believer, but I mean, it's really subjective, you know? Well, I, I think that's the problem. I think it's very objective. And we talk about Matthew 28, go make disciples, but really Matthew 28 ought to be seen in context with Luke 640, where, where, Jesus, where the goal of discipleship is Jesus says, or, or Luke says there in, in 640, that a um, when a disciple is fully trained, he will look like his master. So Luke 40, Luke 640 tells us that there is a process fully trained. When you are fully trained, you're going to look like your master. You're going to look like Jesus in his character and in his conduct. So it's not just subjective. It's very objective. And the bottom line is discipleship is becoming more and more like Jesus, not just how he acts, but what he does. So it's not just my character. It's my conduct. And if we ask that question, then in our churches, how many people are looking more like Jesus? Um, it's not just how much do they know about Jesus, but are they taking on the priorities of Jesus? Are they looking like Jesus in the way they live their lives and what they do? Are they reproducing disciples? So a lot of stuff there, but but that, but that I think what you get there, guys, is it's much more than just knowledge. It's much more yeah. than just information. And we have kind of made discipleship just about information. Yeah. I definitely see that we look at the process of sanctification as just knowing more, reading more, but not the application part of it. Yeah. And we'll, you kind of touched on it with the Great Commission and evangelism. I think thinking back about it, discipleship, go therefore and make disciples was us going, doing something for evangelism. And that was our outreach ministry and not really going much further than there. We kind of, I know I've heard people make the joke about when we had people get saved, we kind of just gave them a Bible. They got baptized. We gave them a Bible and yeah. it's like, welcome to the Christian life and yeah. kind of just let them go. But it's hard to, I mean, hard to learn if you don't know. Yeah. And it's not, it's not really, it, you say it's, you know, make a joke about it, but that's the facts. You know, yeah. we, we have made, we made conversion. We made evangelism, the core, especially in Southern Baptist life, yeah. uh, the finish line. That's the target. The target is I share the gospel. Somebody prays to accept Christ. And then here's a Bible with your name on it. And yeah. hopefully then we hope you'll get involved in Sunday school. You'll begin to learn more about Jesus. We don't really have a plan for that. But we uh, we hope, and and hope is not a strategy, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah. we hope you'll get it. So I think the issue there: what's the difference between discipleship and evangelism? The two are are married together, and the problem yeah. in our churches is that we've we've separated them, right? So we've made the goal evangelism. The finish line is evangelism. The finish line is man. When that person prays to receive Christ, I've done my job. So we we push, we push, we push conversion, but we do not have a plan for discipleship. 
And so when you look at Jesus, when you look at, at Matthew uh, 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission, it is about conversion and discipleship. He doesn't say go and make converts. He says go and make disciples. Disciples are first converts, right? But disciples are those that are learning what we said earlier. They're, they're, learn, they're, they're learning to be committed, passionate followers of Jesus, and they're learning to reproduce that process. And so discipleship, uh, conversion is not the, the finish line in our churches. It ought to be the starting line. And yeah. um, that's just a, that's just an area that we just kind of neglected. So what's come out of that? Um, I think a study was done a few years ago in the last 20 years. Southern Baptists have, have baptized over 7 million people with a net wow. increase of attendance in our churches of zero. Mm -hmm. So you've baptized 7 million people, but you haven't grown a bit because we have not taught people how to reproduce the process. I get saved, I'm done. I wait till glory. <clears throat> uh, I was just looking up the uh, the Greek word. I'm not going to try to say it. <laughs> um, um, the, the Greek word used there, in, in even in the uh, Great Commission in Matthew 28, uh, Matt, I'll try it. Uh, Matthew, a two U O. I don't know. Yeah, um, look it up. I'm gonna tell you where we do our interlinears. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the word uh, it means to be a disciple of one. It can mean to follow his precepts and instructions to make a disciple, to teach or instruct. I think the King James actually does say to teach. Um, you know, it's so yeah. it's not like uh, uh, you know, it's 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 to follow the instructions. You know, to teach the instructions of whoever you're learning from. I, I kind of wonder if, um, uh, you know, maybe the misconception, um, I, I, I can just think back to sermons where I've heard uh, disciple making, and I've, I've heard people, uh, like we were just talking about, equate it with uh, teaching or sharing the gospel, uh, uh, things like that. I think it's, uh, and I don't, I don't know, I mean, we'll get into that here in just a second, but, uh, you know, I think we would all agree that, that, in a, in a, that there is an, an aspect of discipleship that would come, you know, from the pulpit or, or from mass settings. Uh, but then there is a, a more intimate discipleship that comes, uh, and a little more strategic, I would say, uh, you know, discipleship that comes from like one-on-one -on -one relationships, because it's kind of, uh, you know, to teach, to instruct, to follow. I just kind of wonder though, um, uh, if I, I know I've heard in sermons where people will say, you know, discipleship is where you, uh, pretty much where you follow somebody, you know, you were a, a student or, or a pupil or whatever that would follow uh, a teacher. And I think that was pretty common there. And, and it's almost, I, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of, yeah. Thank you. You're, you're, you're dead on Jonathan. You're, you're dead on. And yeah. so, so if you look at, we've got to look at the model, right. Of Jesus. So Jesus, when, when Jesus calls his disciples there in acts one, eight, you know, and he ascends into heaven, he goes and he, and the Great Commission is right there at that point. We see that Jesus gives the Great Commission. He says, go make disciples. And then he ascends into heaven. And the interesting thing is you, you have the verse there in Acts where the two, two angels come down and they're like, well, what are y'all doing? They're just standing there looking into heaven. You know, go do what he told you to do. And at that point, not one of them raises their hand and say, how do we do that? You know, we need to form a committee. We need a plan, resources. We need buildings. You know, all none of that they did what they watched Jesus do. 
They simply repeated the process. Now, here, here's here's where I think so much of this is 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 we've missed this in our churches. Everybody in our churches are disciple makers. <clears throat> they already understand this. What what's happened is, and Jonathan, you nailed it. When you look at Jesus's strategy, Jesus is the most intentional person that's ever came to earth with a plan. I mean, Jesus didn't just yeah. go around and accidentally start a movement that's changed the world, right? It was very intentional. So he begins this process. He he meets Peter, James, and John. You know, you have Andrew there in the beginning. He 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 um, starts this relationship with them. About eighteen months into that relationship, he finds them on the seashore and he says, "Hey." Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men, right? Come spend time with me. Uh, Mark chapter, I think it's Mark chapter six or something says that, or Mark chapter three, he says he named some to be apostles so that they might be with him. So you see this relational aspect, right? So did Jesus preach to the crowds? Yes, right? And so a lot of times, you know, I'll ask pastors, tell me about disciple making in your church. Well, I preach three times a week. And I'm like, hey, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. I think Jesus was a great preacher, but he went a little bit further than just the preaching element, right? So he he had the crowds. He also had the smaller group, right? So you see that with the 12. And he spends time with the 12. He asked them, come spend time with me. Come be with me. Let me show you what this looks like. Let me show you how I respond to situations, right? So when it says there that he that uh, he chose 12, that they might be with him, right? Um, why does he do the things that he does? I, I started reading, y'all, about three years ago, I started reading the New Testament in a completely different way. I always read the New Testament. What does this say to me? What does this say to my life? You know, what what is Jesus teaching me here? What is Jesus teaching the church? Well, then all of a sudden I realized, Every, if Jesus if Jesus is so strategic and he invites his disciples to be with him, then in every one of these situations, the disciples are there and they're watching, right? They're experiencing what he's doing. Why did he do it the way he did it? What was he trying to teach them? Why does he take them to, to Matthew's house, to a tax collector's house? You know, why do they go to a party there? Why didn't he just say, hey, y'all, I'll meet you at 945 on Sunday morning. We'll begin this process. No, he says, hey. We're gonna go. We're gonna go to a tax collector's house. I, I promise you, none of them little good Jewish boys had ever been to a tax collector's house, <laughs> right? They they didn't even yeah. know how to act there. They didn't know how to experience that. But Jesus brought them there so they could watch him, see how he relates to sinners, right? To people that that they weren't comfortable with. Why does the scripture say that Jesus had to go to Samaria, right? Well, who went to Samaria with him? His disciples. I promise you, they'd never been there before. Right, they'd always yeah. gone around it. They watched what happened when he reached the woman at the well. An entire city was changed. Right, so I started reading the New Testament and and thinking, what was Jesus teaching his disciples in this process? What did he want them to learn? Right, so in 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 John chapter seventeen, the the great priestly prayer, Jesus is praying for his disciples before he goes to the cross. Right. And he says in John chapter 17, he says, Father, I've completed the work you sent me to do. Well, for years, I just naturally thought, well, why did Jesus come? Jesus came to die on the cross, right? This The salvation work. But he says in John chapter 17, I've completed the work. Well, he hadn't gone to the cross yet, right? But say that death and yeah. so, three days. So what's the work, right? <laughs> the work was making disciples who were ready to repeat the process. Yeah. 
That was the work. He had spent time with them. Now, were they perfect? No. Did he teach them everything he could have taught them? No. If he was, if, if the goal was to learn everything that the Bible can teach you, everything that God can teach you, he would still be teaching them today. But he taught them what they needed to know. And he did that in a relationship. So, so you have the crowds, you have the smaller group, then you have the small group. You have Peter, James, and John, right? Um, that Jesus took to places he didn't take the others. Why did he do that? Because he knew they were going to be the leaders, right? So disciple makers mm -hmm. are, are always looking, how do I reproduce this process? Leaders lead leaders. And so we'll get to that when we mm -hmm. talk about impl implementation, but Jesus was very strategic. And then Steve McCoy, I, I was telling y'all earlier, small circle, I've been listening to Steve McCoy and Steve McCoy takes it even down further to the one-on-one. -on -one, and he talks about that intimate relationship between Jesus and John, you know, the disciple whom Jesus loved, you know, and, and there seemed to be a bond there between Jesus and John that, that, that weren't with the other disciples. So, so Jesus was very strategic. Now, let, let me, let me just say, I don't want to jump ahead, Jonathan, because I know we really want to get to implementation, but, but let me share this because you, you nailed this a minute ago. We have made in Western culture, we have made discipleship about information transfer. And we've used the scripture to do it. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, right? So when we hear the word teaching, we think, well, what? I mean, discipleship is about teaching, right? It's about education. If I just get them the information, then I've done the job. But that is a Western understanding of teaching. That is not what Jesus has in mind here. Now, Jesus did teach crowds. He did teach larger groups. But his teaching was done in relationship, and it was done on the mission field, right? It was modeling. And so he modeled for them his character and his conduct, and he asked them then, then to go do the same thing, right? So if that's the case, Here's why I say that people are disciples in our churches already. We don't teach anything in our culture the way we try to teach discipleship in the church. We know that that doesn't work. If I have if I have a if I have a daughter and she comes up to me and she says, "Hey, I I want to play softball." And I say, "Okay, I'll tell you what. Meet me at 9:45 on Sunday morning in a classroom." And I'm going to teach you everything you can ever know about softball. I'm going to teach you the history of softball. I'm going to teach you the dynamics of softball. I'm going to teach you the science of softball. I'm going to teach you about every great person that's ever played softball. Uh, and we're going to do it every single week, right? And, and my goal is that, is that I hope that at the end of whatever, while we're teaching this, you're going to go out and you're going to play softball, Right. So let's just, let's follow this for a second. And let's just say that my daughter decides, okay, I'm going to go out one day and I'm going to get in a game. And all she's done has been in a classroom, right? So she's playing third base. The first person gets up, hits a hot shot that goes right under her legs, right? What's she going to do? Two things. Number one, she's going to cry because she's going to be embarrassed because everybody's going to laugh. Number two, she's going to quit, and here's what frustrates me, guys. Here's what she's going to say when she quits. She's going to say, I'm not good at this. This is not for me. Now, the question is, is she not good at it? 
Or is the question, has she not been fully trained? Nobody would expect her to walk out there and play softball after sitting in a classroom for years, right? We don't teach it that way. What do we do? We go out on the field, right? We get the ball. We we, sh- we don't throw a fastball at her the first time. We put the ball on a tee. And we show her the stance. And we show her and, and muscle memory. We hit, 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 hit. And then we move to soft toss, right? And then we back up and we do a pitching machine. And we're, we're getting her prepared so that she can be successful when she gets in the game right? That's the way we teach everything. But we come in the church with something so important as the life of Christ and being a follower of Jesus. And we say, tell you what, we're going to sit you down in a classroom. We're going to teach you information and we're going to hope that you go out and apply it. And when somebody tries and it doesn't go the way they think it goes, here's what they say. Well, I'm not good at this. I'll leave this up to the pastor. I'll leave this up to somebody else. I'm, I'm not good enough. That's not the point. The point is they haven't been properly trained. And that's not what Jesus did, y'all. So we've taken teaching them to obey, and we put it in a Western context, which teaching means sit them down in a classroom, and one person gives information, and you retain it. Now, we know this, that people only retain about 20% of what they hear, right? But as you begin to move forward and you get more dynamics involved in that and more kinesthetic learning hands-on, they retain much more. And that's what Jesus did, y'all. So discipleship is not is not just teaching them, it's modeling for them so that they will begin to learn how to do it and then repeat the process. And I tell you what's what's also amazing is that um, I mean, you think about pastors i mean i'm I'm sure we all know pastors that have been in their positions for 60 70 years you know i I can think of one off the top of my head that that around me right now that has been in this position for 60 years Mm. at one church and uh uh, you know and and not any i'm i don't i don't know the whole all the dynamics of his church nothing like that i mean i'm not saying you know he's bad at discipleship but you know you just take like people within that church you know, that maybe have even been there longer than he has, you know, for 75 years, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you take somebody like that and you just, you know, if you, if you uh, measured it, you know, which I'm I'm sure we'll probably talk about with implementation, but if you measured, you know, how they have grown and been discipled over those years, I mean, I wonder, I kind of wonder what we'd be looking at. And my guess would be is maybe they have knowledge, you know, or whatever, unless the pastor, and I, and I know some pastors, you know, without intentionally doing it, they have taken people one-on-one and discipled them and shared the gospel with them or done ministry or, or, or just uh, had some accountability, um, you know, and so there, you know, some of that has happened, but then you think back to Jesus and the disciples, I mean, they were talking three years. Like he had these guys for three years and, you know, when, and, and, uh, you know, we also can't, you know, neglect the power of the Holy spirit that came after, but, uh, you know, he had three years. Which to we still have. Yeah. He had three years to train these guys to 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 go lead a, a, a revolutionary movement that started. You know, it's kind of interesting. We always say uh, that that the Jesus, uh, you know, the, the the Christianity, the movement of Christianity or whatever, it started when Jesus was resurrected, you know. So it was like after, you know, and then Jesus was on the earth for what, 40 days after that? Yeah. So the rest yeah. of it was through his followers that he discipled. Right. So just the fact that it happened 
uh, that he was able to to do what he did in three years, uh, you know, is 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 quite remarkable uh, to the point where I would say it's it's I mean it's it's, it's a god thing, you know. <laughs> and now, he, I love Dan Spader said this. Dan Spader said he said Jesus didn't come necessarily to reach the world; he came to to make disciples who would reach the world. And if you look at Jesus' ministry, it it took place in a very small area. Yeah. Right. It's those disciples that then begin to take the gospel out from there. Jesus never had that intention that he would do that. He could have done it that way. But his 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 strategy, and we see that in John 17, Father, I've completed the work, was to pour into them so that they could take the gospel out. And and you're right, Jonathan. It's not, and, and this is where I mean 30 years as a pastor. Here, here's the thing. I, I don't put this on our pastors. Um, as, oh man, you guys are awful. You're not doing this. We were not trained this way. Yeah. I was not trained this way. Seminary did not teach me this. Uh, the time I went to seminary, I learned to preach. I learned to exegete scripture. I learned a little bit of counseling. I learned to run a program, to run mm -hmm. a church. And I learned maybe to share my faith, but I did not learn how to make disciples who made disciples. That was just not my job was to kind of run a church. So, so most of our pastors out there today, it's not that they don't care. It's this, that they were never, they were never trained for this. And so I, I share the story a lot. Um, you know, my, my father is my hero. I love my dad. My dad was a pastor for many, many years is retired now. Um, he did not disciple me the way that we're talking about here. And I don't hold that against him. Um, he nobody did that for him. Statistics show us today that that only I think it's only one out of a hundred Christians today have ever been discipled. One percent, I think it was one percent. Um, and so it's just something that we we've never we've never talked about. We see it in scripture, but we've never we've never modeled it. We've always done it in large group, right? And so, but my dad did disciple me how to hunt and fish. So he understood that because his dad did that for them, for him. From my earliest memories, guys, I remember wanting to be with my dad. I wanted to go where he went. I wanted to do what he did. And it wasn't that I really wanted to go hunting or fishing. I just wanted to be with my dad, right? So when my dad first took me the first time to go with him, um, he didn't expect me at that time to go shoot a deer or go do all that. I mean, he took me with him and I just sat with him. It was, it was building a relationship. I remember sitting under the tree and I remember my dad telling me, you know, about the woods and this is that kind of tree. And this is that kind of tree. And these are these tracks and this is what you're looking for. And, and the whole time he's teaching me these things, we're doing it in relationship and I'm growing closer and closer and closer to my dad. Right. And so he begins to expand that teaching and he begins to share a little bit more. And then one day he teaches me gun safety. He gives me a, a gun. I'll never forget the first time he ever put me in a tree stand by myself. I didn't know it. He went about 50 yards behind me and he sat behind me and he just watched, you know, and just making sure I was okay. And, and, and y'all, the, the first time, I guess we can do this on a podcast. I guess I don't. The, the first time I ever killed a deer. Listen, do you know who the most excited person was? It was my dad. I mean, he was like a child, man. He was he was crying. He was so 
I did it, but he was the one that was celebrating. And, and I mean, there was just, there was just this beautiful bond. I remember us jumping up and down in the woods and hugging each other. You know, it reminds me of Jesus when he sends out the 72 and they come back and they're like, Jesus, man, you would not believe what was happening. You know, it's the only time in scripture that it says that Jesus was full of joy. You wonder why, you know, because they were getting it right. So he's excited. Well, here's the thing, guys. Do you know what I did when I had two boys? You know, what was natural for me. What was natural for me to, was to do the same thing and to teach it. And I taught them. My dad didn't teach me everything that he was learning the, the, as I was learning. We were doing it together. And I did the same thing with my boys. And you know what? When they killed their first deer, do you know who cried? Me. You know, there was just this, because the relationship, that's the element that we're missing in discipleship today. We're trying to do it from a distance. We're saying, if I can just teach them the information, then hopefully they'll go do it. And that's not the way that we teach anything. Guys, the guys in your church, the ladies in your church, they know how to make disciples. They've just never thought about it in terms of their faith. They do it in every other way. And so we, we just got to get back to, we got to get back to that. That's the way Jesus modeled it. Uh, I heard one guy say it this way, uh, Ken Adams, he told me this one time. He said, Jesus started the church the way he wanted it. And now he wants it the way he started it. We just got to do it the way he started it. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, shoot, I forgot what I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking a lot. I know I get passionate. I've got, well, I've got one question. Um, it's not the question I was thinking about, but maybe it'll pop back into my head uh, as you uh, kind of answer through this. I, I'm wondering, like, so I, so I have curriculum that I use um, for my youth uh, for at least one of the lessons I do. Uh, but anyways, I have this curriculum and at the, at, at basically once a year, there's four topics. Um, there's four topics they, 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 they kind of encourage to talk about. Uh, it's, it's like evangelism, uh, accountability, worship, uh, and generous, uh, living. Um, and I, I kind of, cause I was looking at that and I'm thinking, okay, uh, really, I mean, all four of those are, 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 I think were found within discipleship. But, uh, you know, I, I, and, and I, my question is, let me just get to the basic question because <laughs> I could sit here and explain my question for 40 minutes. Um, <laughs> but my basic question is, you, you know, do you, is there a, uh, is there a difference between like accountability, you know? So like when I think of accountability, I think of, uh, two guys meeting, you say, Hey, what have you struggled with this week? What have you struggled with? What do you, how can you grow? Stuff like that. Um, uh, is there a dif difference between that and discipleship? And kind of from what I'm seeing, I think that accountability is a part of discipleship, but accountability is not all that discipleship is. Uh, so I was just wondering if you could speak on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, James five was James five, you know, confess your sins to each other that you might be healed. You know, there, there's, there's a place there for accountability and and accountability is only going to happen in relationship, right? One of the reasons we don't practice church discipline today is we've tried to do it in large group or we've tried to do it from the pulpit or we've tried to do it in a Sunday school class. Um, Jesus didn't do it that way. I mean, Jesus corrected the disciples as they were out on the field doing ministry. And he was able to yeah. do that because he had the relationship, the relational equity. 
So back to my hunting illustration, Jonathan, to answer your question, um, accountability is important. Uh, the first time I ever made a big mistake, um, I won't get into all the details, but I was so upset and I was embarrassed when my dad came. I thought he was going to kill me. Um, but um, he made the correction. He told me what I did wrong and I understood it because, and I made the change in the way I do things now because the relationship I had with him, I knew he loved me. I knew he cared and he had invested all this time in me. So when he shares with me, Hey, this is wrong. You know, somebody can get hurt by doing this, man. I was like, I get it. But what happens is we try to take, we try to make discipleship all about accountability without relationship. And, and that doesn't fly because the first thing people say is, well, you don't know me. And the truth of the matter mm -hmm. is we don't, right? Because we haven't invested the time. So, so I, I would say this to, to answer your question. There, there, there's four things. There's four things that I think that have to take place in discipleship. And I think this is this is right out of Jesus, right? So number one is content. Jesus taught them the scriptures, right? Jesus taught them lessons. Content was important. But, but get this, content wasn't everything. Jesus did not teach the disciples everything he could teach them. He taught them what they needed to know to repeat the process. Robbie Gallaty says most Christians today are educated far beyond their obedience. Mm -hmm. It's not a content issue. I mean, we've been in Sunday school class for 40, 50, 60 years. We know a whole lot more about scripture than most people. You know, it, it's not a content is important, but it's not everything. So content, the second part of that is contact, right? It's, it's, it's relationship together. Jesus, that's that Mark six we talked about, you know, Jesus invited them into a relationship with him and that cannot happen one hour a week. It's just not going to happen. It takes time. Discipleship is, is, is dirty. Uh, it gets gritty uh, because it gets people's lives right, and and so so you got content, you got contact. The third part there is context, right? Jesus took his disciples into labs, right? He didn't do it all in a classroom. He took them into ministry settings and he showed them how he lived, how he responded, and what his priorities were. And he did it in the field. We try to do it in a classroom one hour a week. I think that's the missing ingredient in discipleship in our churches today. We've got to get, we've got to walk with people. It's, it's getting on the softball field and standing behind that person with the bat and helping them begin to, to put it into practice, right? It's the labs, it's, it's context, right? And then the fourth part of all of that is, so you have content, you have contact, you have context, and then you have correction. If there's going to be changes, if I'm, if I'm going to grow, there has to be some correction made. And that correction is only going to be made when I have relational equity, right? When I have a right to speak into that person's life. And that's only going to happen when I have that contact and I'm there in the context, right? So, so I think, <clears throat> yes, discipleship is more than just accountability, but these four elements, um, this is what Jesus did. And so I would say, you know, the importance of discipleship in the church today, we need to begin to think about these four elements in our disciple-making strategy. Do we have content? That's usually not an issue, okay? We've got curriculum for everything out there, right? And curriculum is good. 
but I think it ought to be a disciple-making curriculum. The goal is not to teach them everything. I mean, we got people that can explain to you the the walls of the the ark. They can give you how many cubits this was. They can tell you everything about the pool of Bethsaida. They can tell you all this stuff, but you say, hey, will you take this one person, spend time with them, and help 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 disciple them? And they're like, oh, I don't know enough to do that. <laughs> well, we got a problem there, right? So, so um, yeah, I, I would say that it's more than just accountability. Um, it's content, it's contact, it's context, it's teaching them, and it's teaching them through relationship and making correction as we go. I uh, I remember my question, but it kind of uh, it kind of comes uh, to the to the beginning of implementation. So, um, Christian, if you had anything you wanted to add or anything you wanted to ask or whatever. Uh, uh, you, you have anything before we move on, or? No, I think we're we're edging to implementation, and I'm ready to see what we got. Okay, so, um, uh, my my question, um, uh, my question on implementation is actually right at the start, and so, uh, uh I, th I think I think Dr. Puckett, I th uh, when we were at Burton Parker, he was uh, he very passionate about discipleship. Um, and, uh, and, and he, there, he, he took a lot of steps towards that, but I remember one of the conversations we had, uh, or, you know, is, is, you know, like when I got to Bruton Parker, um, and this was, this was a, you know, different type of discipleship. So this wasn't a discipleship that happened, you know, for a new believer, you know, this was kind of, uh, you know, this was later on, I mean, I've been a Christian, you know, for what, 16 something years, something 16, 17 years. And, you know, then I went to school and then I was, I needed, I needed discipleship from a pastor. And so uh, I actually went out and found pastors and <laughs> yep. after discipleship. Uh, but one of the things Dr. Puckett brought up was that, um, you know, he, I, I was with him. He would tell these pastors, he say, listen, uh, you know, these, a lot of these students are not going to, uh, a lot of these students are not going to come find you, um, you know, you need to go seek after them. And so that's kind of where my question on the implementation portion is, is coming from is, all right. So when we, when we're starting discipleship, um, uh, is it, is it on the, you know, let's say if you'll say it is a new believer, let's say, I mean, if we're starting discipleship implementations in our churches, then uh, obviously we're going to be starting with people who've been believers for years. So, uh, so where does the discipleship start? Is it start with the, the one who who is uh, making disciples, uh, or is it or is it on the uh, the ones who need to be discipled to reach out to people uh, to disciple? You know, because there's always going to be that uh, you know, like you were just talking about, there has to be a relationship there. You know, and so sometimes you know, for me, I don't want to you know, I don't want to push myself on someone that you know, someone that doesn't want to be discipled, uh, specifically by me, you know, there's some people that, you know, they just want to be discipled by a different person or another person or whatever. Uh, so what's their, so we're starting with, with the implementation. I mean, where do we start um, with that? Well, and, and probably understanding we've got different people on this broadcast, you know, that are in different places, right? So if you're a pastor or you're a leader, um, you know, one of the first things I would say is just, just, come to grips with where you are, right? Um, I, I had to come to the grips of the fact that I was not comfortable with personal disciple making because I was never discipled. I was never trained that way. It's not anything bad. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not holding any grudges. I just know that's just where I am, right? But I know I needed that. I know I, I needed that relationship, right? 
So I think that would be the first step. I think just looking at Jesus. So Jesus, Jesus led leaders. And I would tell pastors or, or church leaders here, you know, you think about a program and you've still got certain things you've got to do in your church, right? But I think we have to be very intentional about praying and saying, God, is there somebody that you're putting in my life that you want me to invest in? Is there somebody you want me to spend time with? Um, and if it's only two or if it's only one or two or three, then, then go with it. Right. Don't, don't, you don't have to get everybody on board. Jesus didn't get everybody on board. How many times do we see people walking away from Jesus's ministry, right? You know, you see the rich young ruler, you know, what must I do? You see Nicodemus, you, you see these people that, that come, but they're just like, they're not quite there yet. Right. And Jesus lets them walk away. But I think if we think about it in terms of leaders lead leaders, we've just got to think, God, is there, is there, is there one or two people that you want me to personally invest in? Now, let me say this um, for a lot of pastors, and I can say this because I, I think I've, I think I've earned the experience side of this of over thirty years um, as a pastor. Um, we look at big numbers, we look at big opportunities, and we're kind of taught and trained. You know, you don't. You don't show favoritism. You don't spend more time with certain people. You know, you got to be spread out. And I was always taught, you know, you don't get close. Don't get close. You know, you live in a glass house. If you get close, you'll get stabbed in the back, you know, and all that stuff. So protect yourself. Yeah. So most of our pastors out there are very protected, very drawn in, right? We got to let that go. We got to let that go. We we have got to open ourselves up and we've got to begin to say, God, are, is there somebody you want me to lead? Is there somebody you want me to invest in? And you got to just begin to pray about that. As I said earlier, you know, Jesus, when we see Jesus walking on the seashore and he, and he walks up to, to Andrew and Peter, James and John, and he calls them, he says, you know, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And, you know, people always look at that and they're like, man, they just left their nets and they just followed and that was it. Well, if you study the chronology of the New Testament, that event takes place about a year and a half after the event where Andrew goes and brings Peter to meet Jesus. There was a relationship there. He spent time with them, but then he invites them to a deeper disciple-making relationship. And so first step in implementation, I would tell pastors and leaders out there, begin with you. Start with you. Don't start a program. Don't go out and say, give me the latest disciple-making curriculum, um, or I have to go hire a disciple-making person or something. Start with you and just begin to say, God, is there is there somebody you want me to do life with? Is there somebody you want me to have that content, contact, context, and correction? And there's so many different ways to do that, and we don't, we don't have time in the, the podcast to jump into that, but there's so many different people that have kind of zero it in on some ways to to, to lead small groups and, and disciple individuals um, that that find a way that works for you. But the first step has got to be pastor led. I just believe that. I, I believe Maxwell's law of the lid. Um, and, and most of our churches, a lot of times with disciple making guys, we're the lid. And uh, we can sit there in the pulpit. We can say it all day long. You got to go make disciples, go make disciples, go make disciples. But the bottom line is when they walk out the door, they really don't know how to do that. And they don't know how to do it because they're not equipped and we're not showing them. And so it's, it, it's, it's not, it's not a big fix. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not real quick. Uh, you're not going to see 150 disciples made in six months. You know, Jesus did not give a um, weekend disciple making seminar. It took him three years. 
you know, to get those guys ready. So um, I, I would say first step, begin with yourself. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, and, and I, I just think, and, and it is one of the cool things, though, is um, I think we're seeing it from uh, the older generation of Christians, the younger generation, the middle generation, kids. I mean, uh, it's it's I have seen a lot of people, uh, you know, they they a lot of people are seeking discipleship. Um, they're just not really sure how to do it. Um but they do know, I, I think that, I think the reason is, is because there is just, you know, there's just so much out there. Um, you know, there, I mean, the devil is just, I mean, he's attacking from this all sorts of different angles now. And, you know, one of the, one of the things at the camp that we take our youth to, I mean, one of the things is, you know, they don't, uh, they always say, you know, like when, when, when uh, they're an altar car or whatever, they said, you know, we're, we're not meant to walk this walk alone. Um, and I think that's what probably what a lot of people uh, are doing. Um, but I mean, I think I'm pretty sure what, kind of what we've talked about, um, you know, is you take. All right. So, you, you know, you start with yourself. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it, it'd be it'd kind of be a lot to get into, you know, about uh, uh, who, you know, if you're a pastor, who who is someone that you can really open up to, you know, yeah, maybe uh, we need a part two on this podcast. Yeah, we might need yeah. to. <laughs> part two uh, on more implementation. Yeah, because that that that's uh, that's always a difficulty, you know. Like it is. Um, I'll I'll just speak. I'll just speak from where I'm at. Okay, so uh, you know, I, I'm a I'm a youth pastor. I've got uh, four, five, six leaders that kind of help out. Uh, pretty much four that are consistent, and uh, uh, and then I've got and then I've recognized, hey, I've got these youth that seem to be more mature. Uh, than some of the other youth in their Christian walk. And so <clears throat> in different age groups, you know, and so my thoughts are from what I've seen from Jesus is, you know, he takes kind of like we talked about, you know, he takes, um, sure. He speaks to the whole group. All right. So in my context, that would be speak to all the youth in the youth department. And as you go out and all that stuff, speak to, speak to everyone about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then it's like, okay, then I have my leaders. And I know the next, the next people that, um, you know, if I, if I tell a kid, Hey, I need you to talk to, you know, if you want to talk to somebody, I want to push them in the direction of one of my leaders, you know? So then we've implemented small groups where the kids have that connection. And so then I need to pour into those leaders as they pour into the small groups. Um, and then, and then the next goal for me is to take, uh, some of the youth and I'm calling it, um, I'm ca basically calling it a ministry team but mm -hmm. to take a small group of youth and have me and the, the leaders who I'm discipling and then uh, the kids who those leaders are discipling and I'm helping them disciple and then kind of basically create this tree, you know, that starts yeah. from, Hey, all right, we start here with discipleship and it works down to these people and then it spreads. I mean, this, it, it seems like that would be uh, a very, very similar to the way that, that Jesus did it. Um, you know, and, and I, I think we could probably, you know, in a church setting, um, you know, maybe like uh, my, my thoughts are is is the same thing. You know, you start with the pastor that want to make sure his leaders like on our church, we have a church council. And that's all the leaders of all the different uh, things going on at, at church. You know, so that would be a specific group that you'd want to make sure these people are good and all that stuff. And then you want to make sure they're equipped, uh, you know, and then it just kind of trinkles down to individuals. Okay. And, and, and and that's that's kind of the, the, the most difficult thing. I think, I think it's, 
probably more so difficult for pastors is that one-on-one stuff uh, because, uh, you know, that one-on-one stuff, because, you know, we're not, we're not used to it. You know, we don't, there's not a, there's not a whole lot of opportunities where I have one-on-ones with a leader or a youth or anybody (laughs) in my church. Right, right. And uh, so it may may be something that just develops, Jonathan, in that. And I, you know, I tell people all the time, don't, you know, you don't want to go out and try to, to force this into a, a model and just go out there and find people just so you can make it. It's organic in the sense that you want to pray. You want to let the spirit lead all that, but Ben, you are, you are dead on. And, and what you have, listen, what you have is called a leadership pipeline. You know, we talk about leadership in churches. Leadership is called discipleship. They're not separate. Leaders are disciples, right? And so the reason we have a leadership problem in our churches and we don't have leaders is because we're not making disciples. And so you've honed in in your ministry um, in, in a model that looks very similar to Jesus. And I mean, I think you're right. You you will continue to speak to the groups and not everybody's at the same place. And you'll continue to share that content, give them that disciple making content and truth. And then you're going to lead leaders, right? So you have your leaders and you're spending time with them and you're investing in them, but you're going to see in the midst of that, there may be two or three that are going to do things that others don't do, right? And you see in them the potential to become future leaders. And so you're finding ways to have that content, contact, context, and correction in their lives. And then out of that, there may be one that may develop, you know, that you may have that special relationship with or something like that. But but that's that's it, that's it, man. What you have there, we just did a recording, if I could do a shameful plug here, on our Georgia Baptist Discipleship. We have a podcast and a, and a, and a video, Facebook, YouTube, and, and all your podcast things. But we just did one uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I don't even know if it's been, if it's, I don't think it's gone live yet, um, with Mac Lake. And Mac Lake has done stuff for years with with leadership development and creating leadership pipelines in your church. And it was a great discussion because Mac brought it back to this. It is about discipleship, leadership pipeline, getting leaders ready to take responsibility and lead in the future. That's your job. That's what it means to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Your job is not to necessarily grow the church and all these things like this that we talk about or the youth group. It's to equip leaders who will do that. And um, so you've got to be intentional. Have a plan, have a strategy. Hope is not a strategy. (laughs) Did you have something, Christian? Mike Joe. I don't know. I've just been kind of thinking of what we've been doing um, about a little bit into what, when I got there, our pastor was meeting with some of our, our young adult guys, and then he kind of implemented me into it, and we've been meeting, studying, and he's been taking them turns teaching and now we're we're kind of in that middle of the process where we're trying to figure out where do we go from here we know we want to spread discipleship through the church and we've been reading a little bit of i think it is ken adams in his series of books Mm -hmm. and our next plan or what we're looking at is we've called out to the church and asking for people to step up and be disciple makers. And we're going to kind of do it as a whole, go through that book, show them what it looks like to go through it with somebody else. We're kind of spreading our guys that we've been meeting with 
and they're going to lead the little round tables. We're going to do a like master teacher method almost where we do a little bit of together and then kind of spread it out like that and then hope that they go out and do their own after that. And I'm just thinking youth group wise, it's, it's almost tough. I see one or two maybe, and then the rest are kind of just there. So I guess that's like what you're saying, just praying for leaders to step up, figuring out where we can implement them in. Yeah. And I, I would just encourage, you know, anybody listening here, just uh, the fact that you're listening is good. Do something with it. Take your next step. Call mm -hmm. somebody. I mean, uh, we're here at Georgia Baptist Discipleship to help you. Uh, Ken Adams at Crossroads Church in Noon, and Ken's a great friend and uh, has been doing this for over 30 years. Um, you know, there, there's people out there, um, that will help you walk through this process, but, but we can't just put our head in the sand and say, well, I'm just going to keep preaching, or I'm just going to keep teaching the Bible. And I hope that they're going to get it. As we said, hope is not a strategy. Um, you, you need a plan and there are people out there to help you just take your next step, make a phone call and say, Hey, can, can I talk to you about this? Can you help me begin to think through this process, uh, a little bit more, um, it it's 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 worth it y'all it's worth it because when you see that disciple that person you poured into when you see them make a disciple um it's kind of like when my dad watched me shoot a deer i mean that that the, the excitement there um we say all the time i have y'all know my boys i have two boys i don't have any grandkids yet but y'all know this i mean you, you you're not old enough to even have kids or, grand, or grandkids so you don't know that but just imagine people love their kids but man, they really love their grandkids. Um, you know, who are your spiritual grandkids? You know, who, who, who's out there, you know, and, and if you want to see that one day, you got to get started now. You just got to get started. So what's your next step uh, in the process? Yeah, I just, uh, uh, I know we don't have too much longer, but uh, this, I feel like this is going to be important too. Uh, for people who do start implementing this, uh, you know, we, 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 uh, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but we know, we know there's going to be failures that we know there's going to be letdowns. Uh, you know, we know that there's probably going to be, you know, like, you know, I, you know, I hope not, but, uh, you know, there's, I mean, there's going to be leaders who pour into somebody and then that person completely disregards what they, they taught them. And then, uh, just go downhill or they, they hurt people in the process. Um, you know, and, you know, we don't have time to deal with each, each, you know, thing that could happen. And and I really hate that. It, well, we'll end with closing thoughts here in just a minute, but uh, you know, I really hate to end with something negative, but you know, how do we, you know, what, what do you think are in general, uh, how do, how do people prepare for the letdowns and the, the, the backstabbing and things that, that may happen within, within these uh, discipleship making processes yeah and I, th I think that's a great that's a great question and i think we do we do try to protect ourselves and so one of the ways we protect ourselves is we just don't get in those relationships uh but truth be told if we're not in those relationships if we're not close enough then we're we're not we don't have the relational equity there to help them begin to grow in their faith um so we just look to Jesus, you know, Jesus is the model. Um, you know, Jesus told them, you know, if you look at the great commission, the second part of the great commission, 
um, is a part that gets left out. And um, I know you guys took uh, took grief with Dr. Ray. Uh, so you may have you may remember this, but remember in the Great Commission after Jesus says baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you to do. And then there's a little there's a little phrase there's a little Greek word that we miss in the English. It's translated in our Bibles, lo or behold. And that word there in the Greek is a it's in a tense where what Jesus is saying is, while you are doing this, you look to me. I am the model, I am the method, I am your source of strength. You keep your eyes focused on me. And then what is he saying that? And I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That low, that behold there is a promise of the presence of God. If we focus, you know, the manifest presence of God is with us if we focus on Jesus. So I would say to answer your question, just understand the fact that even even Jesus had people walk away. Even Jesus had people that didn't accept. Jesus let the rich young ruler walk away. Jesus knew that Judas was going to do what he did. Listen, uh, oh man, gosh, we can we can start a sermon here. But but think of it, think of it this way: in John seventeen, where Jesus says, "Father, I've completed the work you sent me to do." Right? He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying that prayer. And he says that he's completed the work. But here's the issue. Do, don't you know that when he's arrested in just a few minutes or hours, that he knows that all those disciples are going to run? Doesn't, doesn't he already know that Peter is going to deny him? Of course he does, because he's already told Peter. But he says they're ready. He knows that even in the midst of the fact that they're ready, they're still going to mess up. They're still going to drop the ball. That's just humans. And so Jesus knew that. And so as I'm looking to him as my model for disciple making, as I'm looking for him for my source, I've just got to remember there, I'm not called. I'm just called to sow the seeds. I'm not, I'm not the one that's making this happen. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. And um, I've just got to do what he calls me to do. So yeah, I, that's my answer. Look to him. Jesus Jesus had some walk away. So you're you're not you're you're not gonna bat a thousand. Yeah, and he and he loved them anyways. <laughs> he loved them anyways. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all Sometimes right. Sometimes those mistakes is what helps them really grow. Yeah. Like Peter. And I, I was just thinking the reason I asked that is I've had situations, you know, where uh, you know, I've discipled someone, uh and 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 I've even had people tell me. What you're saying is true, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, yeah. Or, or even worse, they'll tell me you're right, and pretend like they're going to, you know, heed my suggestion and and uh, throw my suggestion in the trash all the way out the door, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely a difficult thing. So we'll just kind of all go around, and uh, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and give my closing thoughts, and then Christian, and then uh, Mr. Ray, if you'll give your closing, just uh, closing thoughts to leave with our our listeners. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, I know you mentioned the podcast, but, uh, you know, any, any other ways, you know, people can uh, mm -hmm. reach out or, or learn more or any uh, book suggestions, anything like that. So, uh, but yeah, I just want to say, uh, first of all, thank you, uh, Mr. Ray, for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. And uh, I think this was an excellent discussion uh, that uh, sounds like we only scratched the surface on. <laughs> yeah. You know, there, there's a lot to this, but, uh, you know, it is it is very, very motivating. 
Um, and I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people, like I've said a couple of times during this podcast, and we've all agreed, you know, a lot of people, they, they, we don't, we don't just want, uh, f- first of all, we don't just want teaching, we want action, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and even today, you know, people have a hard time trusting pastors because they don't trust their actions, right. uh, you know, and so we, we want to see that not just in pastors and leaders, but we want to, man, how awesome would it be? I, I share this with the youth all the time, you know, as we implement small groups and all that, I say, how awesome would it be if y'all were coming together and, and one of you was leading this small group or one of you was doing this, you know, or one of you was the one that said, Hey, I want to pray. Or what if you guys were praying with each other, you know, and trying to, you know, trying to get that, uh, get them to thinking about growing in the faith uh, through discipleship. So uh, I think it's awesome. I think, I think discipleship is going, is, is definitely a game changer in, uh, in, in the direction the church is heading now. And uh, I really think we're at the point that if we don't, uh, if we don't start discipling and seeking after discipleship, I think we're uh, we're going to be hurting not only ourselves but the church, and uh, I think it can also affect uh, our ministry to the uh, to the lost world as well. So, uh, mm-hmm. all right, I'll, I'll leave it at that, uh, Christian. If you want to give your closing thoughts, yeah, thank you again for coming and bringing light on all of this issue. This. Um, this learning curve for all of us. I think that's one point we got. We learned from this podcast is it's a learning curve for all of us. Mm-hmm. Most of us haven't been taught that. And so we need to be intentional about it. It's intentional. There's, we all want to live busy lives and we kind of aren't intentional on a lot of things. And so this is something we have to be intentional of start with one and what else was I going to say? I had something that I had been thinking about. Being intentional about it, it's going to take time. I think I think I've seen that even in my short spurt of ministry is that we want to get things done quickly. And that's probably why we implement programs, why we want to see church growth. And this is something that you may not see a ton of tangible things quickly, but it just it takes time and to be obedient in that and to be intentional and look like you said look to christ in our implementation of discipleship and we're seeing god move and we're seeing how important discipleship is within our churches and i think we'll see church growth as a part of that discipleship process and so if you want to give your closing thoughts mr ray yeah, I, I just really appreciate you guys, and I appreciate the conversation. I know we've we've talked a while, and and yeah, Jonathan, really, I mean, we I think we've just scratched the surface. There's there's so there's so much to talk about when it comes yeah. to um, discipleship, disciple making, and maybe we can we can continue that a little bit more. I would just I, I would I would close with this: um, it's worth the effort. Uh, Thirty years as a senior pastor. Uh, and not until the last few years did I really begin to understand the importance of, of personal, being a personal disciple maker, not just a preacher. And uh, I, I relate it to like, uh, you know, Jonathan, you were talking about what do you do when when people let you down? And, and I'm telling you, um, in relationships, my wife, my children, I love them more than anything else in the world. And they've let me down and I've let them down. But that doesn't mean I don't love them. And um, so I think about that same thing in disciple making relationships. When I get close to people 
and we really begin to do life together, there are going to be some difficult times and there are going to be some letdowns. I'm going to let them down. They're going to let me down. We're, we're human beings. But in the midst of all of that, man, the victories, the celebrations are so worth it. So um, as, I, as I shared earlier, just, just begin to pray about your next step. And I think the the starting point is say, I, I want to be a disciple maker. I want, I want, I want spiritual grandchildren and great grandchildren and great great grandchildren. I want to see that family tree one day when I'm in glory. If God so chooses to do it that way, I don't know. I want to see the people that I'm re that that I've reached who have reached others, and that's the way Jesus created it. So so take your next step. There there are people out there to help you. We mentioned Ken Adams Impact Discipleship, uh, his website, uh, maybe a place you can look. I would mention Small Circle. Uh, I know Jonathan, you're down in Florida. For those of you down in Florida, um, uh, um, uh, oh gosh, McCoy um, is his name down at Small Circle. Um, has some great stuff on on disciple making. Bill Wilkes, uh, living the D life. Um, there, there's just there's people out there, and a lot of these guys are pastors who have done the other thing. They preached the sermons, they ran the programs and they got to a point where they're just like, dude, this is not what I was called to do. This is not what the Bible tells us to do. And they just began to really pray and pour into it. And uh, God has used that in a mighty way. And so they're the, all three of those guys I mentioned be more than willing to help you and talk with you. Um, if I can help you, rsullivan at gabaptist.org. Uh, just shoot me an email. Uh, be glad to talk with you a little bit further. Um, or reach out one of these guys. They'll get you my cell number. Would love to to help you in any way. But um, just appreciate this and and thank you. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground, but man, we have just scratched the surface. Yeah, we say that at the end of every podcast. I think <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, we will see you on the next podcast, and uh, hopefully in the future we'll have a part two. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I know Mr. Ray has a, a lot of uh, a lot of other topics that uh, he he could uh, speak well on as well. So uh, yeah, we're looking uh, just we're looking forward to hearing from you. So listen, if you take something from this and uh, you're encouraged by it, let us know. We'll pass the message on to Mr. Ray. You know, it's always uh, it's always good to encourage one another uh, in the faith. So uh, yeah, we just uh, but thank you for watching. We hope you we hope you uh, learned a lot. And then if you have any other questions, I mean, if we have a part two and you have questions, you're like, Hey, what about this? What about that? You know, uh, post them or we will be able to uh, discuss them in a, in a part two. So, all right. Well, we will see you all on the next podcast. Appreciate it guys. Thank you. Sir. Thank you so much for watching the Grace Bond Ministries podcast or listening to the podcast. Uh, I know there's various ways that you could be listening to this right now or watching this right now, uh, but I just want to say thank you so much. And if you would, uh, wherever you're listening, if you're listening on YouTube, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel, um, podcast, please you know, leave a five-star review and uh, write a little thing in there. If you're on Facebook, you know, leave a comment. Uh, let me know how this impacted you or uh, even any other questions or comments or concerns you may have. Um, and also, if you have an idea or you have something you'd really want to talk more uh, deeply about, you can always email me at gracebondministries at gmail.com. But thank you so much. Remember, for it is by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves, for it is the gift of God. Thank you for listening to Grace Bond Ministries.